Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Zhong, and welcome to Through the Noise Podcast. The remarkably V-shaped rebound in equities continued this week, breaking above several technical thresholds. And a big driver of that is a softer-than-expected US CPI print for October. That also drove the government bond yields lower this week. With core inflation now at a 26-month low, can this disinflationary trend continue? To discuss this and more, I've invited Manpreet Gill, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Hello Manpreet. Going back to my previous question, do you see inflation continuing lower from here? And what does that mean for the U.S. equity rally? Uh, Hello, John. Thanks uh, for having me on. So I think when it comes to U.S. inflation, I think what's really interesting about uh, the the most recent data released in October is that U.S. core inflation, uh, excluding shelter, that sort of a measure has actually fallen back to around 2%, which is just above pre-pandemic levels. And Shelter inflation itself, which is really what's been propping up core inflation this year, is also decelerating, uh, with many forward-looking indicators suggesting this inflation driver uh, is likely to start fading by the first half of 2024. So, not surprisingly, uh, markets are actually no longer expecting another Fed rate hike and actually are pricing in a rate cut by June next year. Now, that's the inflation backdrop, of course, but when it comes to your question on equity markets, uh, I think it helps to think back to last week where we set out three conditions for the rebound in equities to continue over the coming weeks. The first condition, which was weaker than expected US inflation data in October, uh, that's arguably been met. Um, And that, in turn, helps support the second condition, which is that US government bond yields consolidate around current levels. The third condition, of course, was no oil supply disruption from the ongoing regional war in the Middle East. Uh, That, of course, still remains a background risk. Now, when you sort of marry that with the technical picture, um, you can see that the S&P 500 index uh, has risen quite strongly above a key resistance level of 4,402. And that, of course, has taken the index uh, out of the downtrend channel and the pattern of lower lows and lower highs that it's been in since July. Investor positioning also remains bearish. When when we look at our own fear and greed indicator, that's still in fear mode. So you have a bit of a contrarian indicator there. And investor diversity uh, continues to be quite broad-based, so not really a barrier against further gains. So all of that together uh, paints a a reasonably constructive outlook in the short term of the next few weeks, uh, which is, of course, the, the outlook that we painted in last week's weekly as well. Okay, so a positive short-term support for equities. What about U.S. government bonds? Can can yields still continue to fall from here on? Well, I think it's when you look at the U.S. ten-year government bond yield, that's retreated quite sharply by about fifty basis points since the start of November, and you know such a swift downward move, it, it's actually quite unusual. Uh, and the last time we saw that was during the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Now. You could argue that softer than expected U.S. macro data was one key driver that pushed the 10-year bond lower. Uh, And it's not far away now from our original three-month expectation of 4.25 to 4.5%. There was, of course, the Moody's downgrade of the U.S. credit uh, rating outlook. Uh, That didn't surprise markets very much. And, And interestingly, it's a good time to remind ourselves that the U.S. government bond yields previously fell 
when other major rating agencies downgrade the outlook. So somewhat counterintuitive, but that's been the experience. But looking forward from against, against that sort of starting point, I mean, long term, we do expect yields to continue to grind lower, especially over six to 12 month horizon. Uh, but in the short term, that moves unlikely to be a one way move. Um, the first reason for that, of course, is that the Fed itself is likely to signal continued data dependence. So that leaves some room for macro or Fed members speed surprises. The second factor is that risk of events uh, such as a new U.S. government shutdown, for example, uh, that, of course, could hurt sentiment. And third is that markets are currently pricing in four rate cuts for 2024 from the Fed. So if we get any changes on the expectations, those, of course, can impact bond prices, particularly in the short term. Now, a technical analysis, of course, can also help a little bit uh, to complete that picture. So looking at the 10-year bond yield, at the moment, it's not far from technical support, which we see at 44 to 4.45%. And if we get a break lower, of course, we may see sort of next support around 4.35%, but we have some pretty strong resistance uh, at around 4.6%. So all in all, really, uh, consolidation is the picture that comes across when it comes to bond yields. Moving away from US a little, let's talk about China. Couple of marquee earnings report and, and positive macro data this week. What is the outlook for China equity markets? Well, Jong, I'd say the outlook is a moderately constructive one. Now, uh, ever since the MSCI China index uh, made, a, made a 2023 low in late October, it's bounced almost 6%, um, arguably coinciding with uh, the fall in U.S. bond deals and the U.S. dollar. Now, recent Chinese macroeconomic data has arguably been a mix uh, of positives and negatives. Um, and the meeting between uh, the presidents, uh, Biden and Xi, uh, went largely along expected lines, though there are signs that U.S. semiconductor restrictions towards China may still impact growth in certain industries. Now, we expect ongoing stimulus efforts to stabilize growth in China. Uh, MSCI China's earnings growth expectations have been nudging lower since the start of the Q3 earnings season, but remain at a relatively robust 14 to 15% per annum growth uh, in terms of expectations for 23 and 2024. Now, what really stands out to us, of course, is investor positioning in Chinese equities. That's uh, quite sharply below historical levels. So that, we think, uh, can help trigger a, a, a slow recovery in Chinese equities, provided, of course, that geopolitical tensions remain stable and the US dollar remains relatively capped. Now, Sector-wise, MSCI China's recent bounce has been driven more by the communication services sector, technology, and healthcare sectors. Healthcare, of course, rallied as uh, recent sector crackdown concerns eased, while technology was led more by idiosyncratic factors. What we'd focus on, of course, is communication services and consumer discretionary. Uh, those are two of our preferred sectors where we expect uh, continued outperformance of the broader market, and the drivers of that, of course, being uh, a recovery in consumer spending as growth stabilizes and consumer sentiment improves. Can't let you off without talking about Japan. The Q3 GDP disappointed this week. So how does that translate to the yen and perhaps also the Japan equities? Well, indeed, we, we can't leave aside Japan uh, because that's a market we, an inequity market where we remain overweight. Now, uh, I hear you on the GDP number, but it's interesting that MSCI Japan's uh, 2023 earnings growth has actually been revised up to 7.8%, um, you know, which is higher than where it was at the end of September, while the 2024 earnings growth estimate for the equity index had been revised up to 8.1%. Uh, and that actually contrasts quite positively 
compared with many other regions where earnings expectations have actually been revised a little bit lower. Uh, now, looking forward, when it comes to Japanese equities, we continue to expect them to enjoy tailwinds from what we see as improving corporate governance uh, and strong foreign investor interests. And of course, improving risk sentiment, um, all of which support what we see as a cyclically heavy uh, Japanese equity market. Now, when it comes to the currency, we do see Japanese yen strength as one potential risk, of course, to, to Japanese equities. Uh, Bank of Japan Governor Ueda has signaled that he would continue to assess the long-term feasibility of the Bank of Japan's currently ultra-loose monetary policy. And this is where the larger-than-expected contraction of Q3 GDP uh, is likely to mean that any tightening, if anything, is likely more measured and gradual than before. Now, when it comes to dollar-yen, uh, the specific currency pair, uh, we expect it to retreat moderately to its 50-day moving average, uh, which is around 149.4 over the next few sessions, uh, as the US dollar remains under some downward pressure in the short term um, amid market expectations of Fed rate cuts in 24. Uh, the dollar-yen's 2022 peak of 151.95, which incidentally was the highest since 1990, we think continues to act as key as a key resistance level for the pair. Thank you for your nuggets of wisdom, as always, Manpreet. So, so in short, right, just to sum it all up, um, this inflation likely to stay, which is also one of the condition, right, for that we set out last week for equities V-shape rebound to continue. If we look at technical factors, that suggests a constructive outlook for equities in the short term. Within equities, we remain overweight Japan equities on better earnings revision, among other tailwinds while seeing room for a slow recovery in China equities. For bonds, while we expect yields to grind lower over a longer horizon, it is unlikely to be a one-way move. That's really about wrap it up for this week's podcast. Have a great weekend ahead. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.